Hey guys, I've already recorded this episode, but I wanted to pop in really quick and address the fact that I know I said I would be releasing this episode last week. Unfortunately, some things happened and I wasn't able to, but just know that even though I do run my company as my day job, I try to get these out to all of you once a week. So occasionally we're going to have a once every other week sort of deal, but my whole thing is I promised myself that I would dedicate more time to making each of these episodes better uh, as a personal goal for me and as a better listening experience for all of you. So just know there's good intentions when sometimes these are delayed uh, before I release them. In any case, let's get over to the show, and thanks for your patience, guys. Hello, everyone. My name is Crystal, aka your dark story mistress, Grey, and welcome to this week's episode of the Haunting Hour podcast. Let's dive right into some of my all-time favorite creepy urban legends. Horror involving liminal spaces, which consist of such popular known places like the backrooms and SCP research facilities, with the two starting to cross over, which makes me a happy girl. Let's start with the backrooms. The backrooms heavily incorporate liminal spaces, which is what makes it so unsettling. Analog horror is actually branched off of this style of, say, found footage horror. And something I'd rather dedicate an entire episode to, just because on its own, analog horror is fantastic. I'm actually later going to share some games I found that are really awesome and I go out of my way a lot just to find these short little analog games that kind of send shivers down your spine. So I'll recommend some of those later. So if you're new to the game and you're wondering what the crap liminal spaces are and you just aren't aware of this trend, It's areas that look normal, but aren't quite right. Uh, Normal places or things that are in weird settings. And it's described as invoking such feelings as nostalgia and also combining it with the feeling of dread. The uneasiness stems from the area normally being heavily populated, areas we're used to seeing a lot of other people. So this style of horror gives you a sense of both loneliness and nostalgia uh, wrapped up in one neat package. Uh, For example, uh, long stretches of repeating hallways, uh, office buildings, playgrounds or play places, Settings that normally feel comforting in everyday life, but completely devoid of any sort of life form or people. If you'd like to see examples of these, uh, go on images and search up 
liminal spaces photography. Uh, there are several photographers that are dedicated to these kind of areas, whether they're abandoned or it's before they open. And some of these spaces, I wonder if they went by themselves or had other people with them because I think they would kind of creep people out. So what these images are created for is an area that the longer you stare at it, uh, the more uneasy you become. This is why liminal spaces are used in the back rooms. It has several dimensions that exist between our own reality. There's come about some debate on how the back rooms actually existed, if it's something that's always been around or possibly the barrier between the two worlds were actually opened by scientific experiments uh, gone wrong. And now we have glitches in our own reality that transport us there. Uh, others believe that these dimensions exist or are being created by some manifestation of thoughts from people or something on the other side just starting to build these anomalies in these places. People are stating that this has been around for a long time, um, but the footage only has started to release recently because of the magic of smartphones. Also, people finding uh, footage that they shouldn't have, say, either online um, downloading restricted files, hacking, that sort of thing, and releasing it to the public. Many of these films begin around the 90s to early 2000s through this style of analog horror that we mentioned before, because you can see what, you know, has the VHS kind of lines that go on the screen because of the quality of video at the time. Uh, so you see these earlier found footages of the back rooms and nobody knows how the camera was recovered, uh, but these are beginning to release and have released, I believe, something mentioned around the 2007 to 2009. So if you've spent countless hours on both social media platforms and uh, other media platforms like myself, it is so flipping satisfying to watch the glitches in reality shows and stories. And what I find fascinating about these is the footage looks real. And whether it's clever editing or something that can be explained, uh, it's still really cool to see these sort of things like, you know, uh, glitches in our own everyday lives. And it's really cool to see something like birds floating in midair or people frozen. Oh, those are my favorite. Uh, the ones where someone walks up on someone that is completely frozen uh, they don't move at all. They don't seem to be breathing. I mean, these things are so cool. 
uh, you should look them up. I've seen some on shows like The Darkest Secret on YouTube. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of controversy around what's his name, Slapped Ham, because I have seen some of his stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is obviously staged. But that's the beauty of those sorts of things. It's just looking at them with a skeptical eye and going, oh my gosh, yes, that's definitely edited or that's definitely something that someone made up for views. But it's the glitches and reality ones that really get me fascinated. Um, the ones where they're in obviously abandoned places are always super questionable because, you know, their buddies or whoever could be in there with their monster makeups and suits. And I also really hate the hair monster ones or hair ghost ones from a lot of Asian and Southeast Asian videos I've seen. And I'm like, ah, that I just don't buy that. Or the people, you know, they're walking away from a home and there's someone's silhouette or someone's shadow uh, or someone looking outside of the window. Like to me, those are just, you know, I don't think so. And even though there's so many of those that can be dismissed um, and obviously could be doctored or edited by a really uh, good video editor, there are some I've seen that are a little less easy to dismiss. But that aside and another episode that we can cover... Uh, as far as the back rooms are concerned, uh, say for example, you travel through a maze of never-ending old-school office spaces, and no matter how many doors you go through, you end up in the same space. Or say, areas that are empty parking lots and stairways with pockets of deep, dark abyss and you never once spot a car um or people um you can find curious long water-filled corridors in deceptively lighted spaces and then if you sprinkle in a bit of aparophobia which is the terrifying concept of eternity or infinity, uh, basically the fear of living forever, or the fear of being trapped in eternity. And then one of my own irrational fears, clethrophobia, into the mix. And oof, buddy, you've got yourself a full-fledged panic attack for some people. Clethrophobia, if you aren't aware, is the fear of being locked into a space that you cannot escape. Say, for example, I don't have a problem with small spaces. They don't really bother me like it would bother someone with claustrophobia. Claustrophobia is different. It's the fear of small spaces and they start to feel like they can't breathe, um, like the space is closing in around them and they just want to get away. Uh, this is different. Clethrophobia is the idea that I am trapped forever in an area doomed to look for a way out that doesn't exist. So it's an irrational fear of not being able to escape uh, the area. It's a situational fear and not the specific fear of being enclosed in a small space. Whew, 
just thinking about that made my heart rate go up. (laughs) So I am very much a hermit. I don't like being on social media a lot. You'll find my Instagram and my website. Uh, I don't really post a lot about my personal life. Occasionally I will, but for the most part, I kind of like to keep that stuff to myself. I need many hours of alone time and I get really cranky if I have to travel much outside of my home and my company office. But even I would go insane if I didn't have some sort of human interaction. And we're all like that. Humans find safety and comfort in numbers, even if we're not directly interacting with each other, just the thought of somebody else there is very calming. Take this platform, for example. It's kind of weird when you think about it. I'm basically talking to myself and then dumping it off on you people to listen to with the hopes that there are other people out there weird enough to listen. Uh, In either case, it's been an episode I wanted to dedicate my time to and decided this week was the week to do so. Have you guys checked into TikTok videos and uh, YouTube shorts dedicated to Liminal Land? Uh, Liminal Land is really cool. Um, If you go on YouTube, there's a lot of videos that cover Liminal Land. And there are some really entertaining and creepy ones. Uh, The videos show... um, kind of a pick your poison vibe to them on the people that are there in the space in the dimensions and they have the it's it's like a machine or something that uh, rotates between all of these liminal spaces for these researchers to go into. And so this is where the crossover with the SCP and backrooms are coming together. So what is it that really makes liminal spaces so interesting to many of us? Uh, I sat and thought about this over the past few weeks, uh, trying to break it down for myself and then explain it to all of you, you my theories, my thoughts. It isn't just that these places are abandoned because there's tons of spooky abandoned places around the world that both game developers and movie makers like to draw uh, inspiration from and immerse us all in. But how exactly do these spaces get to us? Let's take a place like Chuck E. Cheese. I think this is national. Um, We have these in Texas. I'm not sure if it's really a national thing. I haven't taken time to look into it, but I assume there are many places like these that we grew up with as a kid. Or, I mean, heck, just an indoor play place full of tubes and slides, ball pits, um, obstacle courses. But my point is, they're bright and colorful and full of nostalgia for our lizard brains, telling us that these are happy and safe spaces. Which is why it's so unsettling when we travel through endless halls of the same empty spaces. 
room after room of slides, or do you remember those party rooms that you could go to where the indoor play places were, uh, or gyms or something like that? Parking lots, pools, uh, buildings, like we were talking about earlier, that were full of water. They feel like office spaces mixed with a spa, uh, giant windows, as I'd mentioned before, theme parks, so on and so forth. So when you read the lore on the back rooms or play games, uh, there's a lot of variations on the games, yeah, a bunch of creative interpretations, which is fine because Backrooms leaves a lot of room for that sort of creativity. You start off having to navigate in an old style office building with fluorescent bulbs that provide a constant exaggerated hum. And if you remember these bulbs, some buildings still have them, but a lot of people have switched over to LEDs because they're a lot more energy efficient. And since you're saving on energy usage with those, a lot of especially large scale companies have switched over. But, you know, the exaggerated hum of those fluorescent bulbs, and then of course the famous patterned yellow wallpaper, and the entire space is just covered in this murky, tan, damp carpet. It reminds me of uh, homes we used to live in when I was a kid that... Uh, it was almost that exact shade of tan. I remember it, and it was kind of popular for a while. And, and what's worse is it's damp. You know, it's wet. It's gross. And in some depictions, it even has like mushrooms growing in it. The musty, seemingly endless halls that smell of mildew because of all this like dampness. The worst part is you're completely and totally alone. You never once spot anyone else. It's weirdly comforting as you first start because we've all been in these sorts of buildings or spaces at some point, whether you were a kid or an employee. Um, I remember in temp agencies <laughs> being in some of these really like old style, like from the 80s or something, uh, and early 90s. But as you begin to travel through the maze of these oddly constructed hallways, this sense of dread grows in your belly as you realize you can't find a way out. And then you begin to search for any differences, only to be trolled or the idea that you begin to hallucinate when you come across a door that won't open or doors that open in the same area as you were, or was it the same area? Uh, you begin to notice movement or glitching and it's just on the edge of your vision. Eventually, whether it's by chance or the area decides to stop messing with you, you're able to find clues that help you locate the exit. And then you find yourself in yet another equally unsettling space. Now that level is known as level zero. I think of it as the back room's letting you get a toe in the water. You know, this is what you're going to expect. 
as if it's like its own living entity. But in the official versions, there are no entities on level zero. There are several popularized games that have a tall, wiry black figure that stalks the hallways and it will yell and attack once it spots you. Uh, but as you progress further into the office space, you eventually stumble across a letter in a room that gives you hints on how to escape the back rooms. As you finally noclip into level one, the infamous dark parking lot, that sense of dread builds even more. Each one of these pocket dimensions grows progressively worse and the danger levels rise as unknown entities begin to notice your presence. And even when you are alone, you always have a sense of unease. More importantly, all these spaces that gave you joy as a child, or maybe put some sort of normalcy in your life, are stripped away. Oddly enough, I actually find myself calmed by many of these levels, and in a weird way, uh, enjoying the sensations that they bring even the creepy ones. I think it's the thought of being in the in-between that both terrifies and intrigues us. It's like standing on the edge of a building and looking down. No one wants to fall, but the idea of looking with the urge to let go is very similar, minus, of course, the sweaty palms we now all have. I often have a few things I visualize when I need to clear my headspace that I think would really make a lot of people skin crawl. And one of these instances is just sitting, like floating outside of the event horizon on a black hole, uh, watching light and debris or say remnants of planets or space dust, just sink and swirl into that inky black abyss. And since I've found these, you know, photos and uh, ideas of the back rooms and expanding upon them and the lore, uh, I really love brutalist architecture. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. I would actually love to live in something like that. But I envision this brutalist type architecture that's filled with water and bright sun filtering into the spaces with those long, calming, repeating hallways, uh, stairwells that go to nothing, and the occasional patch of rooftop, quote-unquote, uh, open space and blue sky. There is nothing surrounding the building that I'm in, and nothing visible but the sky, the space I'm in, and the different depths of water as you traverse throughout the building. Think like level 37 in the back rooms. But enough about me. Uh, let's move on to the eerily odd legend of the SCP uh, or SCPs. 
What's super exciting to me is the growing trend of merging the backrooms with SCP lore. So let's backpedal a little bit. What is SCP? Well, it stands for Special Containment Procedures of a Given SCP Object, which is why the codenames of the SCP are assigned a number, as well as a containment class, and it outlines the difficulty of containing it. So these documents that are created they outline the proper containment procedures and all of the safety measures before describing the SCP object or being in question. Uh, each time something is discovered about these entities, uh, it is updated into these files. Now, there are several running theories but some believe, and the most popular opinion, it's a private research facility that's run by international scientists and investigators with the task of capturing and containing various types of unexplained paranormal phenomena that defy the known laws of nature also known as anomalies, SCP objects, SCPs, or informally known as skips. Despite the fact that they are a highly secretive group, they also are given a paramilitary intelligence agency to support their goals. Essentially, paramilitary is something that's not necessarily affiliated with a government. They kind of work outside of the parameters of a government. And this foundation is entrusted by governments around the world. So what are these creatures and objects? Um, the captured will include living beings, creatures, artifacts and objects, locations and places, abstract concepts, and incomprehensible entities which display supernatural abilities or extremely unusual properties. It's basically anything and everything that is sure to give you nightmare sweats for the rest of your life. And of course, everything is kept top secret due to the belief that it would cause mass hysteria. Um, when this facility, as we'll call it, are alerted to an anomaly's existence, a group of undercover Foundation agents are then deployed to either collect and transport the objects or beings to the secret facilities or to contain it at its location of discovery if transportation is not possible. And of course, much like any other giant cover-up, they hide these anomalies from the public by censorship of the mass media, and of course, drugging all of the eyewitnesses and effectively erasing their memory. These agents are popularized as wearing yellow and sometimes other colors, uh, hazmat suits as they travel into the worlds of the unknown. 
They wear a symbol that kind of reminds me of a gear or what looks like maybe room entrances if you've ever seen floor plans to apartments or homes uh, on the outside of the circle. And then the circle has these three arrows pointing inward. I'm assuming the arrows are the three words, uh, special containment procedures. Uh, you can find some other creepy and awesome videos showing their adventures in liminal land or in other dimensions as this research center strives to contain and study the unknown. I highly recommend entertaining yourself with these shorts. They are super fun to watch. <laughs> the Seriously, the, the combination of sci-fi and horror are fantastic. It gives me a Lovecraftian vibe, but with less racist and misogynistic undertones. But eh, to be fair, this was kind of the belief at the time, but it was still wildly inaccurate. Now, I'm talking about, you know, Lovecraft. Anyway, wrestling your jimmies aside... To sum up my feelings on such story-rich, amazing lore, if you haven't already guessed, I'd say it's been quite some time since I've gotten this excited over anything because there are literally endless possibilities. And with the growing popularity, I'm really hoping we see more shows, more books, games, and audiobooks dedicated to it. If you haven't already seen it, go check out the short film and series of The Backrooms on YouTube uh, by Kane Parsons. Go do it now because more is being added to it and I love them all. Do it for you. Do it for enrichment of your life. Just do it. And not only is all of that awesomeness happening, uh, the most thrilling part is that a film was announced in February of this year with Parsons directly involved. What? That is, I can't, yeah. So anyway, while I feel like I would both love and hate actually no clipping to this odd, cosmically terrifying universe, I often sit and wonder what would happen if you left something behind. Does the backrooms have a cleanup crew? Are they like there, underpaid and angry at life? Do you think maybe one of them just left that note on the table as a way of rebelling? Dude, that would be fantastic. You know what? You show him, interdimensional dude. Give him hell. Well, that concludes our show for today, and if you enjoyed it, please share with all of your buddies, friends, family, really, whoever will listen. I'm working toward migrating these over to YouTube, but you can find my podcast and writing on my website uh, at www.cagrayson.com. Uh, that's C-A-G-R-E-Y-S-O-N.com. And my podcast on both Spotify and SoundCloud. Take care, everyone. And as always... Pleasant dreams. <laughs>